Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, last week I started a series called Impact, and we talked about the impact that Jesus has on the sick. And to get that started, I asked Jeremy and Jenny to, to get up and tell a few jokes about uh, the sick people and about doctors. Well, today we're going to talk about the impact that Jesus has had on women, but Jeremy and Jenny would not get up and tell jokes about women. I don't know what's wrong with them, but I think that could have been pretty funny. Well, I'm not that dumb. Um, I'm smart enough to make this statement. Everywhere that Jesus goes, he raises the dignity of women. And so today I want us to look and give thanks for the impact that the women in our lives have had on us. And to give thanks for the impact that Jesus has had on them. One of the phrases in that song that always stands out to me is that phrase... Seeking God to change the atmosphere. That, for some reason, that really catches my attention. I mean, Jesus literally is the one who created the atmosphere that we breathe in, but that's not the atmosphere that it's talking about. There's a, there's an atmosphere, uh, in our spirit. There's an atmosphere in the world. There's an atmosphere, uh, that we don't even understand or are really we are not even aware of because just in in the physical realm we're not even really aware of the atmosphere that we're in if you're a fish you don't know you're in water if you're us we don't even think about very often at all the fact that we breathe in and we breathe out air that jesus created but but there is an atmosphere in the world and the world since adam and eve has been under the influence of Of the prince of the air is one of the phrases that the Bible calls him. There's an atmosphere in the world. And when Jesus comes into a place, the atmosphere changes. It can't help but change. But still we pray and we seek God and we ask him to change the atmosphere. And I would say to you this morning, very boldly, that if you are... A woman that Jesus has changed the atmosphere. If you were a girl born in Dano, Burkina Faso in West Africa, even just within living memory, you would grow up to be bought as a wife by some family for their son. If you were a girl born in the Guangdong province of China, In the very recent past, chances are that you would not survive birth because of the one-child policy that was in place. If you were a girl born in Balakistan, which is a province in Pakistan today, you would receive no education and your world would be restricted behind the burqa that you would be required to wear. But if you were a girl born in Warsaw, Poland, or Wellington, New Zealand, or Wichita Falls, Texas, you would not be sold as a wife. 
you would have every chance of surviving birth and your world would only be restricted by your talents and your abilities and your ambition. Why is that? Is that just a cultural thing? Is that because of Western values? I would tell you that I think it's because of Jesus. Because where Jesus goes, the atmosphere changes. Jesus has had an impact on the women of this world. Because everywhere that Jesus goes, it gets better for women. In places like China, where the impact of Jesus hasn't fully been felt yet. There are 163 men for every 100 women. Why is that? It's because boys are worth more than girls. And that's not really very different than it was in Rome or Sparta or any number of places over 2,000 years ago. In the Roman Empire, there was a law that said a man had to raise every healthy male child, but he only had to raise the first daughter. In Sparta, a mother received twice the amount of food for a son than she did for a daughter. In Athens, which was the center of of learning and education in the Greco-Roman world, a girl received no education at all. And in most of the world, through most of history, a woman's identity was tied to the man that she belonged to. First her father, and then her husband, and throughout her life she was considered the property of one or the other. That's the world that Jesus came into. And that's the world that wherever Jesus goes, he changes the atmosphere. Because wherever Jesus goes, the dignity, the value of women increase. And I just want to look at three passages this morning that show the impact that Jesus had on women. And the first one is in John chapter 4. Famous encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well. And and you probably are familiar with that story. But if you're not, there's a woman who comes to the well outside of a city in Samaria in the middle of the day, which was an unusual time for a woman to go to the well. And she probably did that because she was not welcome and and didn't fit in and, and wasn't valued when all the other ladies came to the well in the early morning. She goes there because she doesn't want to interact with people. She's And she finds a man sitting there. She finds Jesus sitting there. She probably hesitated. But Jesus asked her if she'd give him some water. And then they began a conversation. And that really was in itself highly unusual. Because in public, men and women didn't have conversations so unusual when the, that when the disciples came back, they, they're shocked, they're surprised to find Jesus sitting there talking to this woman. Not only is Jesus talking to her, it's the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and anyone in the Bible. The longest conversation recorded isn't between Jesus and Peter. It's not between Jesus and John. It's between Jesus and the woman that he met at the well. 
And that encounter with Jesus changed the atmosphere for her. That encounter with Jesus increased the dignity of this socially outcast woman. And she ran back to town and she told everybody who would listen to her about this man that she had met who knew everything about her. And she became the very first missionary to the Samaritans. And she prepared the way for Jesus to enter the town the next day. And many believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And that phrase in and of itself is highly unusual. Because a woman's testimony wasn't valued. And she stayed in her village to tell about Jesus. There were other women who followed him wherever he went. Luke chapter 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. I don't know about you, but whenever you read a list in the Bible, sometimes it's easy to glaze over it or move on. It's a boring list, but this, folks, is an incredible list. It's a list that you would not have found associated with any other rabbi in Israel. It's a list you would not have found associated with any Greek philosopher, not associated with any Roman teacher. Why is that? Because they didn't teach women. But Jesus not only taught them, they left their homes and they followed Jesus. And that in itself would have been scandalous. It was a source of rumors. Even today, through movies and books and others, there's still rumors about Jesus and Mary of Magdalene. Because respectable men and women didn't travel together like that. But they traveled with Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, on his travels, Jesus was invited to visit with Mary and Martha. And Martha welcomed Jesus and she immediately did what the woman was supposed to do. And she became the hostess. And Martha was apparently a hostess with the mostess. You knew that was coming, didn't you? She went into the kitchen. She started preparing some food, but not Mary. Mary did what women were not supposed to do. And Mary lingered in the living room with the men. And the Bible says that she sat at Jesus' feet. And that's not just a statement about her physical place. That is a, that is a classic rabbinical statement. To sit at someone's feet is to be their disciple. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's communicating a relationship between a teacher and, and a student. And Mary comes out of the kitchen. I imagine she has the dish towel in her hand and she is exasperated and she looks at Jesus and she tells him that he needs to tell Mary to get in her place and get in the kitchen and help. But Jesus wouldn't do it. He said, Mary, he said, what Mary had chosen would not be taken away from her. And he welcomed her as his student. He welcomed her as his disciple sitting at his feet with the other men in the room, soaking up everything that he had to say. And that simple story has so much impact on the followers of Jesus in the coming years. Because when he defended Mary, Jesus was making it clear that women could be his disciples too. And women have been coming to Jesus in droves ever since. 
See, we could go on and on with these kind of stories. Women love Jesus. Women follow Jesus. At the foot of the cross, one man, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, and a group of women were there when Jesus died. Women were the first ones to the empty tomb. Women were the first ones to hear the good news that Jesus isn't here, but he has risen. And women were the first ones to tell the good news to the 11 who were in the upper room. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up. He preaches this incredible first gospel sermon. He proclaimed that what had been written by the prophet Joel had been fulfilled before their very eyes. And what did Joel prophesy would happen when the Messiah came? I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God dwells in his daughters just like he dwells in his sons. We take that for granted. But Jesus is the one who changed that. As followers of Jesus spread out telling the story of Jesus, they impacted women everywhere they went. The first two Christians in Philippi were women. The wealthy woman and the demon-possessed girl. Half of the households that Paul mentions that formed the infrastructure of the early church, half those households that he mentions were headed by women. Philip. Philip raised four daughters who were prophetesses. We read about this couple, partner in ministry, Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla apparently was a great teacher because she taught Apollos to better and fully understand Jesus. In Romans chapter 16, verse 1, Paul greets Phoebe, and the Bible says, a deacon in the church. Now that word means servant, but it's the same word we read in other places. Do you get the sense that Jesus had an impact on women. Do you see that as the church spread and the message of Jesus went forward and the gospel changed the atmosphere that women were impacted by Jesus? In fact, the church was so far ahead of culture when it came to the equality of women and the value of women, that opponents of Jesus and his church would make the accusation that Christianity was going to destroy the family unit. Remember last week we heard about a man named Julian, the, the, the emperor, and he talked about those impious Galileans. Well, they were, they were accused of destroying the family unit because of the practice of equality of their women. And today, it doesn't appear that the church is ahead of culture when it comes to the equality of women. But the church needs to be the one preaching this message. Not the culture. And here's why. Because the culture gets it wrong. The reason the culture gets it wrong... It's because when you separate the virtue, and the virtue here is the worth and dignity of women. When you separate the virtue from the virtue giver, and his name is Jesus. When you separate the virtue from the virtue giver, things always go wrong. 
The church should be the one leading the way and bestowing value and dignity on women. And it is. It always has been. Again, wherever Jesus goes, it gets better for women. I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of how the world gets it wrong when it separates the virtue from the virtue giver. The world perverts the virtue. The world perverts that virtue when it paints all men as misogynists, as male chauvinists, as guys who just domineer and rule over. Because, see, the Bible does say that the man's the head of the house. That's, that's what God teaches. But the Bible says it in this context. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. That's what the virtue giver says about the way men Treat women the way husbands love wives. You can't separate the virtue from the virtue giver. It goes all wrong. It goes wrong on that side of things. It goes wrong on the other side of things. The world perverts the virtue and the dignity and the worth of women when it puts the women in the role of a radical feminist. And, and yes, God exalted and he elevated women through Jesus, but he also said this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. The wife must respect the husband. That's what the virtue giver says to the one that he's given virtue. We cannot separate Jesus from any part of our life. See, the world gets it all messed up because they want to put one in front of the other. They want to put one over the other. The world wants to pit men against women and women against men. But God says this. Submit to one another. Out of reverence. For who? For Christ. That's the virtue and the virtue giver coming together as they should be. See, Paul, when he talks about these things, he takes us back to creation. And I think that's wise to go there. Because Paul was inspired by the Spirit when he talked about these things. God first made man, and God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so God made a partner for man. God made a woman. What a gift. What a blessing. And when God made woman, he, he took her from the man and he took a bone from the man and he formed the woman and he breathed life into her. From what part of the man's body did he take the bone? It wasn't from the head so that she'd be the head of man. It wasn't from the foot so that man would be over her. It was from his side so that they could be side by side partners. And that's how we find them in the garden, walking side by side together in the garden, in the cool of the evening with their creator. Partners in marriage, partners in parenting, partners in ministry, partners in life. That's what the virtue giver has in mind. 
I want to be really personal with you for just a minute. My mama and my papa, few people in the world ever had as much impact on me as they have. My papa had been married before he met my mama. And his first wife had cheated on him. She had run around on him, left him and their son. And so he and my mama raised my uncle. And my papa, a good, good man, actually became a Christian. Uh, he and my mom all together just a few years after they married. But my papa, he determined that in this marriage, what had happened to him the first time was not going to happen again. And so he really did push my mom all down. He wouldn't let her get a driver's license and didn't let her have a car. Because he didn't want her to be able to go anywhere. And so she stayed home. And she excelled there. And she created a, a wonderful home. And she raised good children. And she made it delicious meals. And she worked the farm. And she worked the garden. But she didn't get to express herself the way God had made her. Because my mama was really, really smart In making deals and in making money. And as time went on, my papa realized that more. And they did become more and more partners. And they bought. He always later in life knew the value of including her. When those kind of decisions. Whether they're going to buy cows or land. Or how they were going to invest. She was a, a, a big voice in that in later years. But not for the first 30. In fact, her phrase always was. He bossed the first 30. I'm going to boss the second 30. But whenever all the kids were grown and left home, she convinced him to buy this little store that sat next to a sawmill in this tiny little community where they lived. And she successfully ran that store for a number of years. She was good at that. See, my mama and my papa were at their best. Not when he was trying to push her down. And not when she was trying to push herself up. They were at their best when they were together. When they were walking side by side. When they were complimenting each other. The way that God intended from the beginning. We were created for each other, not to be against each other. See, they had a huge impact on my life and Jesus had a huge impact on them. Oh, that the world would recognize the impact that Jesus has had. But again, it's so hard to be in an atmosphere and be able to understand that atmosphere. If you're a woman here today, I want you to know that we love you at this church. We value you in this congregation. We thank God for you in this family. If you're a mother... Or a grandmother. Or an aunt. Thank you. For the impact. That you have had on your family. See Jesus came into the world through a woman. And really he still does. For almost every one of us.
I want to ask you to stand, if you will. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over the ladies in our midst. And if there's one near you that you know and love, take their hand or put your arm around them. You feel so many roles. Your mother or grandmother, your wife, your sister, you're an aunt, you're a teacher, you're a servant, you're a minister, you're an employer, you're an employee, you're an administrator. But more than any of those things, you're a daughter to the God who created you. A daughter to the king of the universe. You are a co-heir with Christ. And I thank God for you. Father, would you bless these ladies in our family? Would you pour out your spirit on them? Would you work in their lives in such a way that they're able to be everything that you created them to be? Would you bless them with relationships where they're cherished, protected, valued, nurtured, loved? Would you use their minds Would you use their voices? Would you use their hands? Would you use their feet? Just as you did with those women who physically followed after you. Would you use these ladies in the same way? For your glory. For the good of your kingdom. And for the blessing that that ends up bestowing back on us. I thank you. For the impact that you have. For the Ability that you have, Jesus, to change the atmosphere. I thank you. Amen.